the book of Nehemiah and uh, how God used this one man and a group of ordinary people to change an entire nation in, in 52 days. Um, it was such a significant time um, for the nation of Israel as they were in captivity in Babylon for like 70 years. And the reason they were in captivity is because God kept calling them back to him. And, and they kept turning to other gods, or they kept turning away from him. And, and, and you know, over, over years and years, and through different prophets, and just saying, guys, you guys better turn back, because if you don't turn back, bad things are going to happen. Finally, they, they said, you know what, forget about that. <clears throat> and God um, used the nation of Babylon to come in, and for 70 years, they were in exile. And uh, at the end of the 70 years, they started to, to go back. And they started, some, some of them went back to the city of Jerusalem. And when you're away from your home <clears throat> as slaves in a different country, um, you start thinking about things. And they thought about how far they had drifted from God and they said, no, we've got to go back, and, and we've got to refocus on God. And so they started to rebuild the temple. And Nehemiah <clears throat> was one of the guys that were uh, exiled. He ended up in Persia as a cupbearer. And he got word because, you know, when you're away from home, when you're ripped out of your home, and you have no more home, uh, you, you think about that. You long for that. And, and he, he thought about um, Jerusalem, and he heard the news that it was still in ruins and all. Uh, it just broke his heart. And, and God heard Jeremiah's, I mean, I keep, I said, Nehemiah's prayer and used Nehemiah to lead the people to rebuild the walls. And the walls of a city were really, really important because... It protected the city from, you know, uh, you know, bad people and bad things happening to them. It gave them a sense of security. And so those walls were really, really, really important. And um, what makes it so exciting for us as we look at the book of Nehemiah is that it, it's, it's so relevant to where we are, that, that this really is a new season in the life of our church. We're, we're just in a, a whole new place. And God is saying, the future, um, I want you to step into the future in this new season. For some of you, it'll be um, as we send Max and a, and a team out to start a church. And that's going to be a new adventure. Um, for, for those of you who are going to be here, um, it's going to be at a really, really important time for us as well. And um, we learned in Nehemiah how important it is is to stay close to God. I mean, how vital that is. And as we do um, stay close and as we do walk into this, you know, there'll be uh, some opposition. There'll be some discouragement that the enemy will come in and try to stop what God wants us to do. And we need to be aware of that. I think if, if, I, if I think of where we are as a church I think of that quote by John Wesley who said, give me 100 men and women 
who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergymen, you know, pastors or whatever, or lay people, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon this earth. And I believe that, that God has led you here and that um, he's led you here to be counted into that 100. And so the question is, as we end up our look at Nehemiah, is the question then is, is what is it that God would want us to do in obedience to him over the next 52 days? You know, what could we do? What does God want us to do over these next 52 days? How can we begin to change our world in the next 52 days? And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to share, um, just, uh, just give you a, a little preview of where we're headed and what God is calling us to do and accomplish in 52 days. And you're going to look and go like, that. that's quite a lot, and it is. But I think whenever God is behind something, that is something bigger than what we think we can do, and because it requires faith, and we need to trust God. And so um, this is a really important time. You know, last night I, I said, you know, I got to sleep early because I just, you know, just getting old and I got to sleep early. And so I, I, I went to bed a little early. And then all of a sudden, I just got up and um, Joe and I had prayed a little bit. <clears throat> then like I was wide awake. And I just stayed up for a while and I started to pray. And, and I felt God was saying, Mark, tomorrow, watch and see what I'm going to do. I said, what are you going to do tomorrow? Am I going to keel over on stage? What's going to happen, right? And I felt like God was saying that um, I'm going to turn the tables. And I, and, I, and I said, okay, what does that mean that God is going to turn the tables? I'm not really sure. But I'm hoping by the end of this morning, we'll have a better idea. I'll have a better idea of what that means that God is going to turn the tables. But Part of what God is going to do is doing is he wants us to build walls. He wants us to rebuild our walls. And those are like new wineskins that he's calling us to develop over the next 52 days. And it starts off with this unity where we all work together to accomplish God's highest purposes. In Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And it's so important that we all know what God is calling us to, you know. Um, when I was envisioning where we're headed in the future, what I saw was, was all of us just coming together. And all of us saying, yep, this is what God's calling us to. And what we're going to need, I'm going to tell you too, our unity cannot just be because like we're good people or we're unified because um, we're all part of this church or we're all like whatever. Uh, our unity has to be in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has brought us together. And we've got we've to experience the Holy Spirit like we've never experienced the Holy Spirit before. So often we talk about Jesus and how Jesus is our Lord, and, and everything we do, we do it for the person of our Lord. He is our Lord. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's who Jesus is. Our Father in heaven, you know, that's our, our Father, and, and we don't Talk too much about who the Holy Spirit is. But the thing is, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. And one day when I was praying, I thought, 
I mean, you know how, you know how, how sad it is in a way is we have God Almighty living inside of us, and and our lives don't really um, demonstrate that we have God living inside of us. You know, that I looked at my life and I said, you know, would anybody even know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of me? You know, and I said, probably not. And, and how do you know when the Holy Spirit is living in you? Well, you begin to experience more of the kingdom of God, His righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. You see, I, I think what has happened is that I've kind of messed you up a little bit. You know, that, that for years and years, I've been kind of been preaching and, and, and sharing with you that, that if you follow Jesus, that your life is going to be great. And, and that, is, that is true, but that's not the only thing. Because when we begin to share that God is here to make our lives better, then we become the focus of our lives. And everything we do is, is we're doing these things so that our lives get better. And, and what God is saying, like, your life gets better but it's not because you're focusing on a good life. It's like when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. What he's saying is if you seek God, if you seek me first, and you seek me first and foremost, I will take care of everything else. Some of you here, as you have begun to follow Jesus, you're going to look back, and you're going to look back in your time, where was your marriage before? What has God done? What has the Holy Spirit led you to? Where would you be today if God wasn't in the mix? You know, where would your marriage be? Where would your family be? Where would you be? You know? And I think what God is saying is that, that we need to rebuild and build our unity but our unity isn't just in coming together and just like this synergy where we all come together and we're all for one and one for all. No, it's coming together in, in what the Holy Spirit is leading us to. The Bible says, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into all truth. That's his job. See, that whatever Jesus is calling us to do as our Lord and our commander-in-chief the Holy Spirit brings that to our mind. The Holy Spirit leads us in that path. And we need to grow in that unity. And that's one of the things that I believe God's going to do in the next 52 days. That, that we are going to come together. That we're going to come together. And we're going to experience the Holy Spirit like we've never experienced Him before. That we will begin to experience His presence and His power in our lives. That when I look in the book of Acts, when I look as the church got started, as the church got started. And I just see miracle after miracle after miracle. And I, and I wonder, why don't we experience miracle after miracle after miracle today? Part of the reason is because we don't ask for miracle after miracle after miracle. The other reason for that is we just want to see miracles for ourselves. And, and Jesus said, we got to seek God's kingdom first. And when we do that, and when we seek God, miracles will follow but if we're just looking at miracles for ourselves, because I'm this, I'm that, I want this, I want that, we're not going to see it, you know? So we need to have unity. And our unity 
is being united in who God is and what he wants for us, that we need to experience the Holy Spirit in a greater way. The second thing that God is calling us to build is a foundation of life groups. You're going to hear more next week and all, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts and acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Life groups are, in essence, the church gathered together in small groups, groups that meet weekly to grow to be true disciples of, of Jesus, people who are growing in their love for God, people who are growing in their love for each other, and people who are growing in their desire and their passion to go out and disciple others. Because a real disciple, a real disciple isn't someone who comes to church, isn't someone who reads the Bible. That's not all. A real disciple is someone who follows Jesus and who is personally helping other people to do so. That's what a disciple is, right? Jesus told his disciples, go out and do what? Make disciples. And somewhere along the line, we've kind of we've forgotten that, that, that we think being his disciples is just huddling together and just enjoying each other and just growing in the Lord and just being all happy and having this nice church. And God said, that's not a disciple. A disciple is someone who just goes out and makes other disciples. And that's what God is calling us to do. And so in July, um, I am praying that every single one of you would make a decision that, you know, I've got to get into one of these life groups where I can grow to be a disciple who disciple others. That, and it's going to be great. And I promise you this, that as you grow as a disciple, you will see your marriage get better. You will see God do amazing things. If you're single, God is going to just do amazing things as you seek God first. God is going to do amazing things as we encourage each other in these small groups to love God in a greater and deeper way, challenge each other to follow him, love each other, and then begin to go out and love the world. And, and I, I am just, I am, I am so, so passionate about this. I believe that God is behind that so much so that I, I just don't really like the idea of going to one service. It just kind of kills me, really. It does, you know. Um, and, and, and yet, this is so important that, that, that as we prayed, we thought it would be really important that if we're going to make life groups an essential part of, of for us to follow Jesus, then we've got to make that clear to everyone. And so on... Sunday mornings in July, starting July 7th, we're going to have an opportunity for, the, for those of you coming here on Sunday morning that, you know, I kind of want to check that life group thing out. We'll have at least one life group for you to join here, hopefully more. There'll be life groups that are meet, meeting throughout the week, and I would encourage you, how do you get into life groups and all these kind of things? Uh, Neil and Neil will come up in next week and from next week and begin to show, uh, explain to you how you can get engaged in a life group. And so this is going to be really, really important. That that's the goal. The next 52 days, that all of us here would be in a life group. Because all of us, um, we really need to grow in our love for God, 
a love for each other, and just to go out and make disciples. That's not really possible here as we gather here together, all right? The third thing that God, this new wineskin that God's doing, kind of deals with this worship service. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. You know, I mean, you think about it. That's, that's how the church was started. If someone said, what is church? What is church supposed to look like? And then they say, oh, here's a description of what church is supposed to look like. And, and you read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46, and you read what it says. Is that what we experience here today? Is that what we experience here today? And, and God is saying, over the next 52 days, we've got to begin to tweak how we do things. The early church, they met in the temple courts all together like we do here. And they were there together to, to be equipped, to be inspired, to be prepared to follow Jesus. And then they would meet in homes. You know, throughout the, the city, throughout the week, they would meet together and they would share meals together. And the radical thing was that there was such an extraordinary kind of love going on that as the groups met together, there were people with needs, right? Like what was happening was people had gathered in Jerusalem at that time in Acts 2. They had gathered in Jerusalem together for this festival, um, this yearly festival that they had. It came from all over. And when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came and, and, and uh, the church got started and people began to speak in tongues and the whole thing, and, and Peter spoke and Thousands came to the Lord, and they all began to meet together because they knew something amazing was happening, that people didn't go back home. They were staying in the city. And for some of them, they were running out of money and all these kind of stuff. And people that were in the group, you know, they knew that something just extraordinary was happening. They said, you know what? We got some property. We we've sold that. Or people say, you know, I got, I got some things. And they began to share in an extraordinary kind of way that they began to share and they began to to bond together, and people who had need, people who had more would give, and, and there was such a dynamic going on. And, and when I looked at that, I realized that, that, that we need to, to tweak, especially this, if we're going to have life groups, that's going to be really great, because that's going to give people an opportunity to just do life together. So what do we do when we gather here together? You know, and I thought about all the people, the thousands of people at that early church when they first was gathering, and it was like, like, what is going on? And they were wondering, what are we supposed to do and all that? They would gather in this, this large area called Solomon's Colonnade and the, at the temple, and then they would speak, and they would be devoted to the apostles' teaching, and people, uh, the apostles would begin to teach them about how to follow Jesus and what they needed to do. And then they'd go into these homes, and they'd practice what they heard. And so... On Sunday mornings, what we, begin to, we, what we need to do in the next 52 days is we're going to tweak our services. That, 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 that in my mind, that whatever we share with you on a Sunday morning, it's to, to really to um, 
inspire and to prepare you to be followers of Jesus. You know, that, that, that we're going to focus in on, you know, when you leave here, you got to leave here more in love with Jesus than when you came. And the second thing is you've got to be more inspired. you got to have more equipping. You gotta, you, you got, there's more things you got to know so you can go out and practice. And we're just going to really focus in on, on that. that um, I was reading the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach, um, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given to you and be sure of this, I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. I forgot five key words that the Lord made really clear that what we've got to do here on Sunday mornings. See, there's a difference between teaching so that you would get more information. Right? That we can come up here And we can teach you, and you can be inspired because you have more information. Oh, you know what's great? I kind of know what Nehemiah is about now. In fact, I kind of know where to find Nehemiah now. And we can go away and say, well, like, hey, you know, I was fed today because I got more information. When I read the Great Commission, five words just jumped out at me. And those five words were to obey all the commands. That the teaching that Jesus was talking about was teaching to obey all the commands. And I thought, man, kind of fell short there. That, that I was teaching and we were teaching to give you more information. But the bottom line is, that, that obedience is so important. That we've got to teach and we've got to learn how to obey all the commands. And that's not really popular these days. And that's why it's really tempting for us churches to, to not share and to teach people to obey because it sounds kind of heavy-handed. Like, oh, got to obey all the commands, really? You know, I just want to be taught something that I can apply to my life and make my life better. You know, that would be better. But all through the Bible, all through the Bible, obedience to God really is the response of people who choose to follow Him. In fact, the thing that messed people up throughout the Bible and after the Bible and today is the fact that we don't obey, you know? That, that we want to pick and choose what looks good. Wives, submit to your husbands. I dig that one. Fathers, don't exasperate your... Uh, I don't like that one too much. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Well, didn't Christ die for... I don't like that one. But why submit? I like that one. And we begin to pick and choose, you know? That we begin to just focus in on ourselves. And what obedience does, it, it, it puts us in a position where God can really begin 
to bless. That, that God's promises can be gotten, but it comes through obedience. And that's what the people of Israel were reminded of in Nehemiah. Because they chose not to obey, God allowed them to be exiled to Babylon. And it was a call to obedience when they returned. It was going to bring them together. Well, friends, that's what, that's what we need to do here in our service. That, that I'm going to do you, we're going to do you a major disservice if we just give you information to maybe make you feel better about yourself or maybe make your life better. And so we've got to teach you to obey. Because once you start obeying all the commands, Jesus said he's going to be with us in this unmistakable, undeniable way. And your life is going to get better. You know, things are going to get better. That, that when you go through hard times, that, that God will be there in an undeniable way. That you will begin to experience his presence. You will begin to experience his power. See, that's how we get that. I want to see miracles. We get that when we obey. And we've got to. We've got to be a church that learns to obey all the commands. See? And that's what we're going to begin to do, is to begin to share with you. Now, whether you obey or not, no one's going to force you, right? But I am going to really encourage you, and I want you to encourage me that we're going to obey, and we're going to see what God does in our midst. And that's why in July and August, we're going to go to one service starting at 9 o'clock. You know, that we're going to come together in unity. We're going to come together so we can go to life groups. And then we're, as we do, we're going to seek God for, for our next service. Where are, what are we going to do? God, are you directing us to start up our second service again at 1045? Do you want us to do a service at night instead? Do you want us to go to a different venue? Maybe it's a bigger venue? I don't know. But we're going to, like Nehemiah, we are going to seek him. We're going to seek him, and we're going to say, God, you're going to show us where and what you want us to do. But in July and August, one service, and man, we're going to do our very, very best, our very, very best to just inspire and prepare you to obey all that God has commanded, because I want all of us to experience God's presence and his power in ways we have yet to experience. God is here. God's going to do that, all right? Another area is is this whole area of our family ministries. God is calling us to rebuild our ministry to our children as we gather here for worship service. That, that this is a time in which um, uh, we are going to look at, at, at how we minister to our children. And one of the things that God's made clear is God has called us to be a church that will reach generations. And so our ministry to our children has to be more than childcare. It has to be about discipling children. And over the next 52 days, um, God is calling us to really build up what happens here on Sunday morning, making sure we have all the helpers and teachers we need, that you're trained and supported. That's really important. But, the, but what makes this a new wineskin for us is that in order to disciple children, really, we have to disciple families. We have to disciple families. That, that I look and I just saw a bunch of people graduate uh, this year from high school. My, 
I believe what God has put on my heart is that we need to graduate families, that families go through different stages. And we're going to do, God is calling us to build families, that families have to be strong. Start with the marriage. Start with parenting. And, and, and when, there are, when the children graduate from high school, it's like the whole family has graduated and they've gone to a better place. What are the tools that we want to give to every graduate? That we got to be intentional about that. That we want to make sure that when people graduate high school, they have the equipment they need to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. You see, we've got to do that. We can't do that just on Sunday mornings. That's a part of it. But we're going to be looking uh, to do other things. Like in other words, another thing we're going to do is we're going to start a life group for parents. Right? That it's a life group. It's not a class. It's a life group. Where it's a discipleship group where parents will come together for an extended period of time and they'll begin to learn what the Bible says about how to parent, you know, and how to grow as parents. And they're going to, we're going to be equipping uh, uh, parents. Uh, what's going to happen is marriages are going to get better and we're going to see uh, children who are, are just uh, walking in God's design for them we're going to see families that do that. And so come July, we're going to start, you know, Michael and Joanna, they're going to be starting a life group. Now, what we're doing with this first one is we're going to get some leaders there to start this first life group for parents. And what we're going to do is, um, as that goes on, the goal is to get two or three other life groups so that more people can join in and get more and more families discipled. So that's something that I am so excited about. That when I think of family camps, when I think of those things, in my mind, it's all about discipling families. And we've got to do that. And so no longer will it be called our children's ministry. It's going to be our family's ministry. And from birth to the time they graduate, we are going to equip our, our, our children, but we're going to equip our families because that's what God has called us to do. And then the last thing is this is presence in Kaka'aku to reach the next generations. God's calling, calling us, along with walls, he's calling us to build gates. Gates are, you know, allow us to accomplish God's call to go out and make disciples. And one of the things we need to do is we have to reach, begin to reach out to the next generation. And so, you know, I, I heard some really startling um, statistics. One was... Um, I forget what group. I don't know if it was Barna or a certain group. They said that it doesn't matter what you do. You could pay people money, but 70% of the people in the United States at this time will not go to attend the church. Just will not. 70%. Okay. Another statistic that I heard was that um, 20, 25 years ago, yeah, 25 years ago, the average, you know, for regular committed um, attenders of a church, you know, people who say I'm a regular attender. It was about 2.9 or something weeks per, per month. So about three weeks out of the month that um, people, will, regular attenders would attend. Now, what they're finding, that a regular attender who said, you know, I am, I am a committed uh, person in this church, um, their attendance is about 1.7. So it's like less than twice, it's about once a month that, that they come. Now, what happened? You know, what happened? I mean, there's so many activities that go on and 
Sundays are just another day now. You know, the, the, the whole nation, you know, Sunday's not a special day where people go to church and all these kind of things. And so when I, when I saw all those things and I said, you know, maybe what we need to do is we need to go and take, because church is who we are, we need to take church to where people are at. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to take church to where people are at. And that's what this whole idea of having a presence in Kakako is about. You know, we feel God's leading on that. Is it going to like be like, wow, slam dunk, this winner, winner, chicken dinner? I don't know. But we got to take a step of faith. And that's what we're going to do. And over the next 52 days, we're seeking God to establish his location for us and to assemble a group of leaders who will rise up like Nehemiah to lead the charge in this very important area that we need to build more gates. And this is the first of, of many other vital gates to our city. We're here at McKinley High School. You know, what are we doing to reach the families of McKinley High School? You know, I think about it from time to time, but that's, well, we've got to be more intentional. That needs to be a gate. And we need to reach out. That's who God has called us to be. And so, as I look ahead over the next 52 days, man, there's some amazing things that I believe God wants to do. But we've got to be people who are united that we're going to Say, God, we're in. And we're going to see you accomplish everything you want in the next 52 days. And things we learned from Nehemiah is, one, we will face opposition throughout the journey. In Nehemiah 6, 1 to 3, Samballat, Tobiah, and a bunch of these other guys found out that they had you know, finished rebuilding the walls, no gaps anywhere. And yet, you know, they began to plot all kinds. They kept, they kept trying to harass and to... To, to hassle these guys. But Nehemiah says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. They wanted him to come. They wanted to distract him. And, and we're going to face opposition. And we need to remember that opposition is just part of the journey. See? Sometimes we get this weird idea that as Christians, our life is supposed to be like trouble-free. No, it's not. As Christians... What we have is any trouble we face, we have power that is available, and God's going to help us get through that. That God is going to help us in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And so we need to remember that opposition is just part of the journey. The second thing is we've got to persevere and finish the work that God calls us to. We've got to persevere. Verse 4, four times they sent the same message. They kept trying to harass, harass, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Samballot's servants came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it says. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, you know, that you guys are up to no good, you know, and that, that you, you know, and he's just, they're just trying to stir up all kinds of things. And finally, Nehemiah replies, there is no truth in any part of your story, you are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So what? So I continued the work with even greater determination. When we have opposition, we've got to say, you know what? Forget that. We are going to work even harder now. That we're going to persevere even in a greater way. And that's what God does. See? That, that when we move forward, is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. Is it easy for us to go to one certain... No, it's going to be hard for me. I hate that. But, but God's going to do something. God's going to be there. You know, a presence in Kakaku. 
God's going to be there. Is it easy to, to begin to, to encourage families that they need to get discipled, to, 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 to begin to encourage husbands? Husbands, come on, get on board. Dad, you are so important. You are more important than you think. Might not be easy, but we've got to work at it. We can't allow ourselves to get discouraged by it. And then the last thing, the third thing, second to the last thing, we must stay close to God in the midst of intimidation and fear. In Nehemiah 6, 10 to 14, you know, Nehemiah goes and he said, let's meet together and let's, let's, um, let's pray. And, and he began to discern what the enemy was up to and what the enemy was trying to do. And when we stay close to God, we begin to hear his plans. And we begin to know what the enemy is trying to get to. But we got to stay close to God. Otherwise, we're just open for any kind of attack. And, and we got to stay close. And then the last thing, God will empower us to complete what he instructed us to. Nehemiah 6.15. So on October 2nd, the walls were finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and our surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized what? That this work had been done with the help of our God. My prayer, my strong belief, is that over the next 52 days, when we complete what God is calling us to, that it's going to be a sign and a wonder to all of us. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a message to our enemy that, no, you know what? We are going to follow God no matter what, and there's nothing you can do. The gates of hell will not prevail. And I promise you this, that if we would learn to obey, if we would learn to obey, that if we would begin to accomplish what God's calling us to, and it's going to take all of us, if we begin to do that, I guarantee you that your life, your life, you're going to experience things in your life that you've never experienced before. If you're struggling with stuff, God's going to meet you right where you are. You know, if you're someone who, you know, uh, if, if you're someone who is, who is single and you're just think, thinking, man, what, what, is God, what is God wanting me to do? In the next 52 days, you will know because that's what God does. That, that, that if you're struggling in your families or whatever, God is going to work those things out and he's going to make it so clear to us that when we begin to put first things first, and when we begin to seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness, he is going to add all these things. And life is going to get better because life doesn't get better when we're, we're the focus of our lives. If we think this is what I would like and I would like to do and this is my dream, life isn't going to get better. God knows exactly God knows exactly why he created us. God knows exactly what he's calling us to. And when you begin to walk in that, that's when life gets exciting. And that's what God's going to do in the next 52 days. That's where we are. That's why this is an important time. That's why Nehemiah is so important. And so, two things. One, ministry fair today. You know what, guys? Just get involved. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Just, you know what I'm going to say? Just do something. Just do something. Just do something. 
you know. Consider and join a life group. Get in a life group. I'm so busy already. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you need to get rid of some things so you can begin to put some important things there in your life. Do that. And then, you know, let's join our hearts together. Let's work together. Let's pray together. Let's fight together. And let's experience God together. And let's just see what God's going to do in these next 52 days. I, I would love at the end of these 52 days, we all gather back. And we just begin to share, this is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God did. This is what I experienced. You know, I am blessed. Um, some of you had um, signed up for the ministry fair uh, last week. And I see one person, Chad, Todd Sheena back there. Todd Sheena's a doctor at Strap. You know, doctors, they're usually busy, even though they work half day on Thursdays to go golf. But, but they're busy. But Todd says, you know what? I'm in. And he signed up. You signed up, right, last week? What did you sign up for? You're going to help out with the children. Dr. Todd with the children. See, we got to get engaged. Get in the game. All right, why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, I know. I know that, that there, are, they, there are at least 100 people that call KCF their church. That, that you've brought us together and that when we hate nothing more than sin and love nothing more and desire nothing more than just following you man, we can change the world that's what you've called us to I pray in every one of our hearts you would stir something up it isn't about us It isn't about us. It's about you and what you desire. Father, I pray that we would see families equipped and following you. We, I pray that we would see a lot of young people and people who are single just following you with a passion that they've never had before. That as a church, that we would follow you like we've never followed you before. And that the gates of hell, we will see with our very own eyes that the gates of hell will not prevail. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.